0: I want to share with you this morning something the Lord put on my heart, and it's really interesting. I'm kind of chuckling with him a little bit, you know, the vital signs of a healthy church. and I thought, I thought man, you know, I feel like checking the pulse this morning here at the church. It's just kind of a little slow, a little lackadaisical, a little setting back there, but that's okay. We're here, amen? We're here, and I want to share some things about a healthy church. I want to share what you can see in a healthy church. It was interesting in the worship, I wrote a few things down, you know, the fire and wind. The fire and wind, come and do it again. You know, we could do everything we want to do, but without him doing it, we're not really the church. And we're not going to have the results. We're not going to have the effect. We're not going to have the influence. We're not going to have the eternal results in what happens unless God, the all-consuming fire, unless the Holy Spirit, the wind of God. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is so important. You need to understand how close he is to you. We used to sing a song, and maybe we still do, uh, that you're closer than the, the words on my tongue or the flesh on my bones. Y'all remember that song there? I was walking down the street, and I was getting ready to go back. I had a phone call that I had to be about, on. It was about 5 o'clock, and... Getting out of Chicago is about, like, is about like the intersection of County Park Road and, and 72 for three minutes at five o'clock, okay? It was just, just congested, you know, there. And so I'm going to my, my vehicle where I'm parked at in the parking garage. Nine million people live in the Chicago metro area, second largest city in the United States of America. That's not counting the visitors, Matter of fact, I ran into one visitor, and we were communicating with one another, and I said, I don't think, I can't believe this is happening. He's told me he's from Ohio, and I said, from Alabama, we're doing street ministry. He goes, amen to that brother, that's awesome. And, and then the conversation carried on. I said, where are you from in Ohio? I'm getting ready to go to Ohio. He said, oh, I said, here, there, you know, he gives me these two big cities. He said, well, I said, that's a big space. I said, I'm going to be in Springfield. He looked at me. He said, that's where I'm from. He was visiting Chicago. Nine million. Do the odds. One in nine million? Not one in a million. One in nine million, okay? Sitting there. And I think he's going to be at church when I preach here in Springfield he said I don't believe and he said one thing I don't believe in is coincidence I know that God was setting something up so I'm walking off the streets my last moment on the streets and I see a guy over by some Jehovah's Witness who were uh, standing there by their placard and and sharing what they uh, uh, feel that they believe is a truth and they didn't talk to me that morning and now I see this guy standing with them and this guy steps out and he's asking everybody can I ask you a question and everybody's just walking right past him and I thought no this is a moment and so he asked me, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, sure. He said, well, let me ask you this. He said, have you ever heard of the Nature Conservatory? Conservatory, And I said, well, yeah, but are you talking about the one here or just one in general? He said, anywhere, anywhere. I said, yeah. He said, well, good, that's, that's why I have a job. He said, can I ask you one more question? I said, sure. He said, if you had the choice between water and air, what would you choose? I said, air. He looked at me and said, where are you from? I said, Alabama. I said, Why? He said, well, why would you choose air? I said, I'm happy you asked. I said, in the beginning, God created everything but air. And we just sang, Spirit of God, come hover over us. I said, the word spirit is breath. In the Hebrew, it's ruach. I said, matter of fact, he's going through your nose right now. He's looking at me. And he's feeling it. He's sensing something. And I said, and the other fact is, I said, I could live longer without water than I could without air. I could go 40 days without water. Some people can't. 40 days without water. But I can't go four minutes without breath. I said, it's in him that I live and move and have my being. And he said, it was strange that you said air because nobody from Chicago says air. They want the water. And I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, if you had a choice between heaven and hell, which one would you choose? And he stopped. And he contemplated and he thought that through. And it was so serious to him, so real to him. He said, I, I, heaven, heaven. I said, why? Why? He asked me why water and why, why air, not water. He said, I, I guess for the comfort reason. He said, hell doesn't sound too comfortable. Well, now notice this. I never say anything to him about hell. But somebody had. Yeah. And notice this. He wasn't in church. So he had a choice, church or the world. And he was obviously choosing the world. Even the natural components of it. It's easy to choose the things out there that you have no control over. But it's important to choose the things you do have control over. It is very important for you and I and for them to be in church. Jesus is not coming back for people who confessed him. Merely. Because there's people who confessed him. He said, but I don't know you. He's coming back for his church. Coming back for his bride. He's not, listen, he's not just coming back for Christians. He's coming back for those who follow him, believe in him, and keep his teachings. Do you know that in the Bible, the word Christian is used three times? The word disciples is used 269 times. Two hundred. In 69 times. There must be something about that. Now, to be a disciple, you don't have to do J38. Some people went, Whew, Because they don't want to give that much up. Or they feel like, we think you have to do J38. It's not how we feel. Not all of my children have done it. I wish Gretchen would let me do it. You don't have to be in the school of ministry. You don't have to do Excel. But you need to have Christian disciplines in your life. You need to adhere to the teachings of Jesus to be a disciple. Now, there's Christians all over this world who don't believe what you believe. There are Christians all over this world or Christianity all over this world that doesn't believe what the Bible says anymore. But they still call themselves a Christian. It's important to find out what it consists of to be the church and what makes a healthy church. It's very important to understand and to see and to have the vital signs to see whether it's healthy or not. You, as well as I, can check your own vitals. There's things you can do, and thank goodness to the medical industry, uh, they have technology that would help us to check it. One of my daughters loves to take my, my blood pressure. She loves to walk over and say, Dad, can I take it and put it on there and get it as tight as she can and watch me get, you know, all pumped up and just... But there's ways you can take your vital signs. You need to know how to use the church and what it is in the church that allow you to know whether you have healthy vital signs. So turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. The very first time they take your vital signs, you're an infant. You're an itty-bitty, but yet you have vital signs. There is a humongous battle, spiritual battle, over children in the womb, whether it's a real heartbeat or whether those are real fingers, whether they're really a boy or whether they're really a girl. Have you noticed this all right there at the conception aspect? It's all right there. the, The biggest problem that we really have is not as much whether it is a child or not. It's the responsibility it brings. You see, we have a tendency in our culture to want to have the pleasure, but have no responsibility. We have a tendency in church to have the pleasure of going to church, but we don't want the responsibility to have to walk it out on a daily basis. It requires disciplines. Are you with me? It's kind of like the debate that I listened to the other day uh, of a a creationist against three evolutionists. A better way to describe that would be a believer against atheists. The issue is really not about uh, animals and people and how they came about. It's about whether there's a God or not a God. That's all it bottoms down to. The reality is people are still using their faith. They're putting it in something they don't know whether it works or not. One of the evolutionists said, Well, I, I, I'll, I'll settle the thing. I am a Christian, and I believe in the Christian ways and the, and the way of life, the principles. I believe in those principles because they work, they're good. Be kind to one another, do unto others, you have them do unto you, love one another, care for one another, pray for one another. I believe in all that kind of stuff. But obviously, he doesn't believe in the word of God. The scriptures. Because a true Christian, a true disciple, knows the teachings of the word of God. And the scriptures are infallible. So you cannot say and be right, say, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in creation. Because Timothy, the apostle Paul, said to Timothy, he said, all scripture is infallible. It's inspired by God. It's it's spirit-breathed. It's for your correction. It's for your direction. It's for your soon-coming resurrection. You thought I was going to leave that Bible part out, didn't you? We need to get dialed in. We need to get hooked in, zoned in and what God wants to do. Father, I ask that as I share the word this morning, that we would have open ear to hear what the Spirit is getting ready to say. Lord, I ask you put your finger on our on our pulse, Lord God. I ask that you would feel our forehead, Lord God, and see and Lord see if there's any moisture or breath coming out of our nostrils today. Make sure that we have healthy vital signs that we could live and move and have our being in you. Acts chapter two, picking up in verse thirty six. There's been this incredible outpouring. I did not ask them to sing those songs, but they're about the fire and the wind come doing again. It's a reference to uh, the early church in the book of Acts where the Spirit of God came in the upper room, 120 or so people. God shows up, 3,000 get saved. It's the start of the church. It's exactly what it is. And it says here in, check, in verse 36, Peter's speaking to these guys. He said, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus. You will not be able to understand that God has made you until you fully understand that God has made Jesus. That God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. God has made. God has made him Lord. Lord means having power, authority, influence, master or ruler. He has made him not only Lord, he has made him Christ. He's the Christ. That means he's the anointed one. That means he is Jesus. Christ represents all these entitlements of Jesus, all these titles of Jesus. Jesus, our Lord, Messiah, Savior, Son of God, Lamb of God, Shepherd, Redeemer, Prince of Peace, includes all the names of Jesus given by God. In other words, God made him so he could live in him. God made you so he could live in you. That's why they ask, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? That he wants to dwell and abide inside of you? (coughs) Excuse me, verse 37. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, I want you to see that the conception, the inception, I want you to see the incision of what happens in an early day. You know, every child born... Had an incision the day they're born. They're a cut to the umbilical cord. Had to be cut, had to be detached there. But every believer needs to have an incision in their heart and have a decision from their heart. Not a confession is part of it. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. But you need to have the word of God, you need to have conviction that hits you and cuts you and gets to your heart. They were cut to the heart. When they heard the gospel, something went, oh, I don't think I need to be connected to that anymore. Oh, I don't wanna be bound and restricted by this anymore. And then they said, what shall we do? Let me ask you a question as a believer. Let me ask you a question as a, as a, as a, a tender, as a Christian or as a follower of Christ. Have you ever said, what shall I do? Has there ever been that place inside of you that's going down on the inside? Not what do I get to do, not what do I want to do. What shall I do? That word shall, I preached on it some months ago, maybe a year ago. That word shall literally is a commandment. So it's responding back, what what commandment shall I keep? What commandments shall I keep? I want to ask you as a believer, I'm just here to, to, to stir and to help you a little bit. I'm not questioning you. I'm asking questions for you to ask yourself questions. When was the last time you thought about keeping the commandments? Or have you possibly in the culture we lived in are going, well, you know, maybe the commandments really aren't, you know, all those 10 commandments you just kind of said, maybe they're really not that important. I see their point of view. I get, really? What shall... We do what commandment and Jesus was so kind. He was so generous uh, that he, he boiled it down to two: yeah. love the Lord, your God with where he just cut you, yeah. where he just touched you, yeah. where he just made an incision, where he just, where he just spoke to you. Not that one time all the time. All the time. Love the Lord, your God with all of your heart. Now, just that day, you got saved, yeah. right. and you're like, "I don't want to go to hell," mm. and the preacher scared the hell out of me, so I'm going to go to the altar, right. and, 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 and I'm going to, no, 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 love the Lord you God with all of your heart. Look at the word "shall," shh, all, yeah. Yeah. silence every other thought, anything that could keep you from loving him with all of your heart. Okay, so what shall we do? They're cut to the heart. They're convicted. They're touched by the word of God. You must know, you must understand that it's unto righteousness that a heart should believe. This is what it says in Romans chapter 10. I'm going to try to condense this a little bit. He said, confess with your mouth and believed in your heart unto righteousness. This is just supposed to be a rudder. Okay, a forerunner. This is what I'm going to do. You need to have inside of your heart to want to do right. Now, if you got saved, but you're not yet ready to let go of this, you didn't really get cut at the heart. You might have gotten touched, but you didn't get cut at the heart. I was happy to hear that. Uh, the reality is, I can't still be, now, you know this, I can't be playing around on another woman and I'm married. Why? Because I'm the pastor. I can't be drinking on the sidewalk because I'm the pastor. We have a tendency to, to hold the one who gets elevated on the stage to a higher level than the one that we're willing to live at ourselves. When it comes down to it, I'm not going to stand up and go, oh, Pastor Greg, there's a line over here for you. All the pastors get to come in this way. No, 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 no. I'm going to stand there as a child of God. I'm going to stand there responsible for my personal life, not just my pulpit ministry. Amen? Amen. Now, we believe that, but do you believe what I believe? I believe you're going to be as responsible before you stand before the Lord and give an account for your life. You want a church that will cut to the heart. You want a message that will pierce to the heart. You want the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why? Because he keeps you from being entangled again and going back to the works of the flesh. When that child is cut off, they're no longer entangled to the flesh. It's over. That that season's over. They're now new. They're brand new. Believed in his heart. Verse 38. And then Peter said to them, you ask, what shall you do? Repent. That's what you should do. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the... Now, now listen to me. Listen to me. This is crucial. This is, this is very important. You should change your mind. You should change your direction. Don't go back the way that you came. There, there's, a, there's a transformation that changes. You ought to think higher and not lower. Watch repent and be baptized every one of you every one of you you know there are people who are believers who don't believe in baptism or they've changed what baptism is baptism literally means to be submersed to be put under and somehow we've found a more convenient way that might fit the theology or the mindset or the ideology of somebody else and make them comfortable. We're going to get to that in just a second. But notice here it says every one of you, if you have not been baptized, I would highly exhort you to start moving in that direction. No exclusions. No exclusions. He said every one of you should be baptized. And then he goes on and he says that you should repent and get the remission of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Two things you could expect and should expect. Hopefully you were informed of this, that when you get baptized, your sin becomes inactive. Did you hear me? We are still so much more naturally and carnally minded. We understand the words remission, and it is something to celebrate when somebody's cancer goes into remission. And we get all jazzed about it, man, all stirred up. But when somebody gets born again, saved, baptized, that sin ought to go into remission. That means it's not active anymore. But we have somehow found a way that we could keep it active and say we ain't got it. Sin's a curse whether you like it or not. Sin has a wage, and it's called Death. You want it in remission. He said, hey, I'm telling you, you get baptized, your sin will go in remission. It'll be shut off. It'll be cut off. It will no longer be active. You will not be guilty of it anymore. Yeah, but should I still dabble in it? If somebody were to tell you that sucking on a nicotine stick was going to give you cancer, and you say, well, didn't this person, didn't this person, didn't that person, and then all of a sudden, your lung, you get lung cancer. And they tell you it is from sucking on that nicotine stick. Would you keep doing it? Would you keep doing it? You see, in the spiritual, these sins ought to come to halt. Not only will it disengage and, and, and stop letting the sin work in you, he says you'll receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, You shall receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you know in our church today that people will say that's a sin and some say it's not a sin? You could go to churches, you could go to five different churches today, and they tell you different about the Holy Spirit than what I tell you about the Holy Spirit, or I might be telling you different what they say about the Holy Spirit. It's a concerning matter. It's a very concerning matter. He said, The sin will stop and the Holy Ghost will start. Now you see here that that word between sin and Holy Ghost, that word sin stops and Holy Ghost begins. When you stop sinning because of your decision to follow, holiness will be granted to you and the Holy Spirit will be imparted into you. I don't think I could think of a better promise than having that. Then Peter said, repent, let every one of you be baptized. Verse 39, for the promise is to you and your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. For the promise is for you, It's for your children, it's for as many as are far off, your children's children, one translation says, and as many as the Lord will call. When I went to Chicago, and every person I spoke to, and every person I was, that was a calling. I was called to do evangelism, I'm calling people to Christ. God is calling them. That promise is as good for them as it is for me. They're gonna have to repent. They're gonna have to follow the Lord and believers' baptism. That they're going to have to let their sin go into remission. That's right. They're, they're going to have to uh, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to enter into them and to empower them and enable them. Listen, if Jesus needed it at the baptism, yeah. I think we might need it. Come on, somebody. But see, we have theologies out there that can make us think some other way and think that's okay and this is okay. It's a dangerous place to be, the culture in which we live in. Listen to this. It is as good today as it was at Pentecost. Verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved, be saved from this perverse generation. Now, interesting enough, this morning I've testified, and maybe unbeknownst to you, I'm trying to exhort uh, he wants his church, he wants his bride to be ready, to be prepared for his return. Would you agree with that? She makes herself ready. It's our responsibility. Notice what he said here. Be safe from this perverse generation. Be safe from this perverse generation, not be saved from going to hell. Majority of us probably got saved because we didn't want to go to hell. He said, get saved from this perverse generation. You can't still be in this perverse generation and be bound and involved in it and think you're going to heaven. But I'm telling you, there is theology out there that says you can live like hell and still go to heaven. I'm here to tell you, whether you like me or not, whether you agree or not, I know what I have to stand for. I have something that you might not have to stand for. Yes, I will have to stand, but I have the possibility of double judgment upon my life as a preacher of the gospel. And I'm going to have to stand for what I preach. Amen? And I say this because I love you. You cannot continue to dangle and dabble, dance and romance with the world and think that you're on the right path to heaven. Jesus expresses too. Let me share a few things with you. Just so you see what he wants you to be saved from. Are you with me? Yeah. Saved from this perverse generation. Here's the word perverse, okay? Now what I want you to do with me for just a moment, I want you to try to envision what's going on in our world right now, just for a moment. Not asking you to be worldly or worldly-minded, but I want you to see these words and see if there's any of this going on in our culture right now, okay? Here's the definition of perverse. It is probably the most word-oriented definition I've ever looked up. This is what this word means, and I left some out. Perverted, depraved, unnatural, abnormal, deviant, degenerate, immoral, warped, twisted, corrupt, wicked, evil, kinky, sick, illogical, irrational, wrong, inappropriate, incorrect, disobedient, annoying, uncontrollable, and unaccommodating contrary, difficult, and awkward. I was already out of Chicago, sitting in the airport, and I'm a people watcher, because I think that's what everything's about, is people. Right. And someone walked by me, and I said, that's awkward. That's just awkward. And I thought, well, Greg, just... I said, well, I start having conversations. I said, well, it's just awkward. It's weird. No one else there to talk to. Thought, We're going to say it about somebody else. And then another family came by. I thought that's awkward. That's just strange. Not even knowing that awkward, all caps, italicis, exclamation point, is part of the definition of perverse. I don't think we're supposed to be awkward to each other. But even in the church, if somebody's a prophet, we give them a license to be weird. And then you find a church, and maybe you've gone to church before, and you don't feel welcome, unaccommodating, wow. perversity. Now, now, if we measure it to the world world, the dark side, just because we're not like them, we think we're okay. Wow. But you look at those words, and you start to see, and you start to go, yeah, you know what? It, it, it really is a little abnormal out there right now. Anybody ever said... I want it to get back to normal. Come on. You're not being, you know, I just thought that was strange to say. I don't want to be normal. I want to be supernatural. I I was like, "Ah, I wouldn't mind normal again. Sure wouldn't mind normal again. Well, there's a spirit behind all this. Let me tell you something. Our, Our problem, I'm walking down the street and I'm going underneath I think it was an interstate, or I'm walking under, excuse me, it's Lakeshore Drive, I'm walking underneath, and it, it's a bridge, and it's, there's, there's like four other levels of parking underneath, and I'm walking under, and there's cars rolling all over me, and this is what God said to me. Your nation's not political, it's moral. It's a moral situation. Morality and immorality. But everybody's got to face immortality. It's a moral issue. You can say anything about any political party you want. And you're just part of the game. It's a moral issue. You know who really has the last word? We do. You know who really has the answer? We do. And there ain't no vote about it. He's already in office. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. Come on now. Oh, I know that the reason that we get so we get so attached to the political side because it's our unbiblical cord. We're like, "Would you intravenously feed me? Come on. Would you supply this for me? Which party is going to give me what I want?" True. Come on, somebody! Yeah. Oh my goodness! In churches today, mm-hmm. pastors can be polarized politically, yeah. Yeah. but still in common in morals or immorality or awkwardness degenerate are you with me friends there's 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 a there's a problem in the world today can you agree with me and there's only one answer and there's only one hope and his name is Jesus well that was awkward huh for those of us who prefer to sum it up in one word crooked crooked you know, that's what John the Baptist came, is, is to straighten out the crooked, perverted ways. And, you know, there's a prophecy about him. This is an interesting thing. If you, if you still wonder about the prophecy and the accuracy of prophecy and, and whether it's even possible, it'd be one thing if, if Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, but they also prophesied about John the Baptist. Pretty accurate When you have two different sources communicating there. But what did Jesus say about the crooked and the straight way? You see, we have a straight and narrow path that leads to Jesus. But if it's crooked, it's going in and out It's going out to the boundaries. It's like that. He wants to straighten out. He doesn't want you in church and out of church. He doesn't want you in prayer and out of prayer. He doesn't want you in love with him and out of love with him. That's crookedness. There's something degenerating. There's something that is perverted that's going on inside your life. Now, again, when I say the word perverted, you go to the E and that stuff exists. But so often we're perverse, so often we're just wandering. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, he said, Enter by the narrow gate. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. It's something that has to be sought. You need to continue to seek Jesus you need to continue to follow Jesus. You need to continue to walk in the ways. You listen to me, it is not a one-day confession and then wander. And wander and squander and just go wherever you want in and out, in and out. No. I remember as a little boy that my parents, if you had wet hair and it was cold outside, what would they say? Don't go outside. Right? Don't go outside. But man, we just let people go in and out, here and there. It doesn't matter. And we do the same thing with sin. We're in sin, then we're in church. We might make ourselves more unhealthy than we think we're making ourselves some healthy. He's a few who find it. It's difficult. It's difficult. It's not easy to follow Jesus. Listen to me. Don't give up when it seems to be difficult to make a holy and a righteous and an integral and an honest decision and to, a good name is rather chosen than great riches. It's not always going to be easy to be a Christian. Easy in Christianity turns out to be sleazy Christians. Isaiah 40, verse 3. The voice of one crying. That's John the Baptist. Jesus was the word. John's the voice. Voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley. You know, we could sing all day long. That, you know, you turn graves into gardens. You turn seas into... Come on. And we're wanting him to do it all. But right here, he's telling John the Baptist, you go make a highway in the desert. You go plow it out. You have responsibility to stay in the straight and the narrow and not to wander and wavering around in your faith. Amen? Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. And the rough places, smooth. Now, it will get to that smooth place. It will get to that flow place. But it has to require us giving our part. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. revealed, And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Don't throw the tomatoes at the preacher. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let's go to verse 41. We're almost done with this. Then those, then those, wouldn't you like to know who those are? You can choose who you want to be with. You can choose where you're included. You can choose where you stand. You can choose what you believe. It's your choice. He said, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. Notice here, the, 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 the his on well, yours, it is all capitalized, but in your Bible, his is not capitalized. Now, talk about Jesus. They gladly received Peter's words. Peter is preaching the first message to the first church. How far have we drifted from that message? How far have we wandered from that mindset? But he's preaching and they received his words. Those who gladly received, His word. Are you with me? Gladly means willingly and eagerly. Not as long as perverse. Just willingly and eagerly. What do you mean willingly? Well, here's my will. Your will is my will. Your way is my way. Eagerly, yes, I want to do this. Yes, I'm willing to do this with passion, with zeal. Those who gladly received his word were baptized. Remember, they were being instructed to repent and be baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, I would say that's church growth. I've never been to a church growth seminar. I've never been anywhere to try to learn from anyone of how to make the church bigger, faster. I've never. That, that's not who I am. It's not what I do. But I've read this a lot of times. And I have a pretty good indication in my heart and in my spirit that the church is going to grow. Not just this church, but his church is going to grow. I believe that as things have been happening in in, uh, biblical proportions, pandemics and earthquakes and famines and wars and all that kind of stuff and lawlessness that all that is happening in biblical proportion, I truly believe that the good side of God is getting ready to happen in biblical proportions. I truly believe, as crazy as you might think that I am, I truly believe that he could save Jackson County. I truly believe that God has it within him that he could save 54,000 people and the whole community could love Jesus and follow Jesus. Marshall County and to Madison County, I truly believe that. Because if I don't, don't believe anything, I say. Well, how can you back that one up, preacher? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and he was not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to confession. Oh, there better be some preachers in here. Didn't say come to confession. said come to repentance. Come to repentance. A lifestyle. If you are hinging your salvation on your own declaration... Because you said it, then you're going to spend eternity in heaven. Somebody's done pulled the wool over your eyes. Somebody's done lied right through your teeth and their teeth too to get you to make you feel good for a moment. Friends, your confession is not your salvation. We're meant to follow Jesus. And you can go find a church you can be comfortable in. You can go find a church that won't cut your heart. You can go find a people that, that will agree and, and 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 try to combat these kind of things. But the reality is we're meant to follow Jesus. Verse 42, and I'll wrap this thing. Oh Lord. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In breaking bread and in prayers. I sat at my table with my family last night, thought about bringing our dining room table here. Our house is under construction right now and, and uh, doing renovations, but we're keeping our dining room table. And, and uh, I thought, well, maybe I could just bring the table. I thought, oh, Lord, that'd be tough. I'd have to go get a trailer and this and that and, and, and put it up here. And, I, and then I thought, oh, maybe I'll just let the family sit at the table. That'd be so cool. And they're looking at me like, no, I, I don't know. We have no bearing of witness here. But I taught them from the word of God. We had a discussion. We had just eaten some tacos. Soft shells, my preference. We had just done that, and we're getting ready to pray. And we started to pray, and I said, I said, now stop. I said, we just did the word of God. We have taught from the word of God. We have fellowship with one another. We ate with one another. And now we're praying together. That's it. That's it. This is what he's telling our church. He said, listen, continue in this stuff right here. Just keep doing this. Keep doing this. And they continued steadfastly, steadfastly in the apostle's doctrine. Steadfastly means in a resolutely, marked by firm determination, or dutifully, filled with a sense of duty, firm and unwavering manner. It's my duty to do these things. I'm resolved this is the right thing to do. To hang to the apostolic teaching. What does it mean to, to give yourself to the apostolic teaching? Does that mean that you need to be a part of an apostolic church? Does that mean that there needs to be an apostle in church? Not necessarily. I think we've overzealously puffed that stuff up. What this literally means is that Jesus chose 12 people of 11 which stayed the course. One did not, so he is no longer counted with them. No longer counted with them, but he believed in Jesus. He believed Jesus. He just didn't adhere to it. And then Matthias got chosen, and then Paul, out of due time, was brought into the apostles. They were the original people who Jesus did the original teaching to it was the teachings of Jesus and those who had been taught by Jesus, those who had applied their life to Jesus. He said, now stay with their teaching. Matter of fact, in First John, John said it this way. He said, that which was from the beginning, which we heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, which we have seen, and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which is from the Father, was manifested to us, that which we have seen and we heard, we declare to you. Yeah. They're literally saying from our personal relationship, we have a, we have a responsibility and instruction to teach you and Paul's riding down the road and he has this encounter when he was Saul and Jesus speaks to him, appears to him, tells him what he's supposed to do and take the gospel to the Gentiles and all this stuff that's supposed to happen and he has this moment in his life, he's one of the apostles. So what they taught, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, uh, what they taught in in Timothy and 1st and 2nd Timothy, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, what they taught, that's what we're supposed to adhere to. That's what we're supposed to give ourselves to is that teaching, are you with me? That's why you hear people saying, if you're going to go to a church, at least go to a full gospel church, a Bible-believing church. Not one that says, well, that doesn't matter anymore, and not one that's adding pronouns and taking out verses. The teachings of Jesus were given to the apostles. We have to be careful because the Bible tells us of things that have crept into the church. We have to be careful of false teachers. We have to be careful of false prophets, of hirelings, heresies, carnal Christians, and we go right on the line. We have to be very careful of what has gotten in there. Matter of fact, let me just share this with you. Joel, you can come join me if you would. Catholicism started in 1054. Year 1054, Catholicism. The Baptists started in 1609 to 1612 out of a Dutch-speaking people. But the Southern Baptists didn't start until 1845. The Methodists started in 1784. The Lutherans in 1847. Can I just throw this in? Darwinism, 1859. Assemblies of God, 1914. The Charismatic Movement, 1960. One thing they all have in common is doctrine. And what they hold in common with that doctrine is that they disagree at one place or another in their doctrinal views. Jesus said, if my words abide in you and you abide in my words, you'll have what you ask for. He said, if you continue my word, you'll be a disciple indeed and you'll know the truth. and The truth will make you free. So you have to work some things from backwards and you go, am I free? Am I following the word of Christ? I could go on down with any one of the denominations. Here's the challenge. What happened at denominational interventions? Somebody had a different way of seeing it. Something new. The Bible says there's no prophecy that's given to the personal interpretation of man. I could bring in Mormonism, 1830. And all of a sudden, these people started bringing in, listen, let me take it back to this other person named Jesus. That started in A.D. 30 and 33. Yeah. And it hasn't changed. Gamaliel, yeah. a great professor of the time, said, look, he said, he said, don't go after these guys. Don't go after these apostles. Leave them alone. Yeah. He says, throughout us, there was another guy came around, 400 people started following him. He had this new movement, had this new teaching, had this new way, and he's, he's there's no mediator between man and God. He said, leave them alone. He said, they all failed out if it's of God it will carry on if it's of man it'll fall apart I can't imagine after a thousand years of the church being the church that there'd have to be a new a new way to do church I can't imagine two thousand years later we'd have to say no this is the way to do it you need to make a theme church point is we need to stay to the word of God I'm not slamming anybody else. Everybody's given their best. They're going their hardest at it. But we need to stay with the Word of God. Friends, our culture, they are trying to change what we preach, how we preach, if we preach, or if the truth more than we've ever loved. We're trying to silence the church. We need to love the truth more than we've ever loved it before. We need to love the word of God before we've ever, more than we've ever loved it before. So what was it? The apostles' doctrine. Fellowship. Breaking of bread. Prayers. They continued in these. And then the very next verse says this. The very next verse says, then, then. That word then means not until. Once that happened, it allowed this to happen. Now, I don't know about you, but if I look at the book of Acts and the origin of church, I I see a vast contrast or a lack of comparison in one specific area. Not 100%, 1%. The power of God. Wonders and miracles. I mean, goodness, we're over here, we're singing about He's a miracle worker. And some people are like, when is this song going to be over? I leaned over to and I said, I could have stayed in Chicago. <laughs> but we're just sitting back, waiting for something to happen. And we think it's that guy. And we think it's those people. And I felt so sorry for them because I could feel them up there going, we got to push, we got to push. Well, pushing is birthing. It's a birthing term. And we don't want any Ishmael in this house. We don't want anything worked up out of the flesh. I believe sitting on that airplane. We had an incredible service last Saturday, last Sunday. We had revision. God's been moving. And the Lord says, you talk about a healthy church. I don't want people to get caught up in the movement. I don't want people to get their eyes on what I'm doing. Keep them healthy. What about the promise, Lord? Well, listen. Then fear came upon every soul. I hope that this morning, somehow, way, inside of you, there's a healthy fear. Saying, you know what? I need to be walking the straight and narrow. Watch what he says here. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So this passage is telling me that when something turns in us, It's going to release something in here. There's people sitting in here right now who need a miracle. There's people sitting in here right now who need a divine breakthrough in their life. And we want all that to happen. But I'd rather you be right with God. Amen? In alignment with God. He said signs and wonders and miracles started coming out of the apostles' hands, but we're so often waiting for somebody to bring what they've been praying and interceding for instead of setting an atmosphere for it to happen as you stand to your feet. In verse 44, now all who believed were together and had all things common. And I'm not gonna go into what they did and how they distributed their funds and sold things. I'm just gonna simply say this, They were sold out. They were 100% committed. They were all in, going all out for Jesus. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like in your life. All I really want to do right now is to encourage you to continue steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine Fellowship. I don't know about you, but I have to go in this world a lot. I was in four or five cities this week alone. I'll be in three or four this coming week. And, and just, but I, I meet people, I have to connect with people. And I have to fellowship with people, I have to connect with people. It's important to stay connected with church people. Be careful of the waywardness. You're in church and you go out and you just hang out with people in the world, and you come back into church, you go back over here, doing worldly things, go back over there. Stay in fellowship. Build some relationships, build some friendships. Connect with one another. Eat together. Eat together. If Buena Vista, BV, Buena Vista, whatever you want to call it, is too busy, take them to your house. Get some Vienna sausages and some saltine crackers. Go hang with one another. If it's in the Bible, why not? If it's in the Bible, why not? If we want what's in the Bible, we need to get our lives in the Bible. Amen. Praying with one another. Praying with one another. So Let's bow our heads. Perhaps you have the place in your life right now. You're saying, you know what? I need to get some things straightened out. I want to make some straighter paths in my life. I want to walk a narrower gate, a narrower path. I I want to pursue Jesus and everything. In your personal life, not somebody else's life, there's some crooked things you want to get straightened out. I'm going to ask you real quickly to come forward. Come on up here, could be in your conversation. could be in your language. could be in your uh, activities. It could be nobody's judging you whatsoever. We're not going to ask you what it is. You just want to get some things straightened out, lined up. This is your morning. It's your opportunity. I'm proud of you guys for coming. I'm gonna ask anybody else, and you're saying, you know what, I need to make a greater commitment, I need to be more intentional to the apostles' doctrine, fellowship with the saints, the breaking of bread, and prayer. You're saying, yeah, I need to make a higher level commitment to that, I need to be more mindful of I'm gonna ask you to come stand for and we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray thank you for your attentiveness this morning I thank you that you're here let me just ask one more thing if you don't mind I feel like the Holy Spirit has dropped this in my heart if your Christianity were your health comparison to your health and you checked your vital signs of your christianity today and it wasn't healthy wasn't at the highest level of quality it could be better this word is talking to you this morning that might help you understand a little bit or not miss this opportunity of commitment consistency requires a commitment on a daily basis but if you would say my christianity my walk with jesus is not as healthy as it should be i'm concerned there could be some breakdowns in it or there should be some uh, malnutrition in it there could be whatever it may be if that's you and you want to step forward this morning i invite you to come forward i want to pray with you want a healthier christianity Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. It's a very somber and sobering response that we're making. Lord, I pray for those that didn't have the heart or the will or the desire that needed to move forward. I ask that you be merciful. Extend yourself out to them. Lord, meet them where they are. Because I desire for all of us to become healthier in our Christianity. Lord, may we not be deceived to think that we can speak blessings in one moment and curses in the next moment and think that we're all right when your word says it shouldn't be that way. Lord, that we could love you and and hate people. Lord, that we could ask you for forgiveness but not forgive other people. God, help us. Help us, Lord. And Lord, as we've responded this morning, to this call we need to straighten some ways out I pray over those who want to straighten crooked areas out cut them to the heart Lord may they repent today those who have not been baptized may they get baptized and Lord may they follow hard after you may they pursue you and seek you to find that straight and narrow path and not take their eyes off of Help them, Holy Spirit. Help them, lead them, and guide them into truth, into victory. And Lord, I pray for all of us who want to take our commitment level to another level, to be more committed, more sold out, more surrendered. Lord, I pray a grace upon our lives. Lord, teach us to say no to ungodliness to say yes to the will of the Lord. Teach us to say no to worldly lust and say yes to the vision of Jesus. So Lord, I pray for mercy and grace. I pray for Holy Spirit empowerment. And I'm asking you now, Holy Spirit, for conviction. Conviction upon every one of our lives. And Lord, that your word would be like a well-driven nail. It would sink in and set in us.